Hey guys, I'm Esther, owner of Sarah Design. And I'm Jen, owner of Hello June Creative. Welcome to Better, the brand designer podcast. We're all about broadcasting conversations that support our design community and covering industry secrets and offering actionable advice. Just remember, the only designer you need to be better than is the one you were yesterday. Hey guys, welcome back to Better the Brand Designer Podcast. Hope you're having an amazing Tuesday. Esther is recovering from her trip to Spain. She's catching up on work, so she is unfortunately not here with us, but I am so, so excited to introduce Alex McGinnis from the Arcoiris Design Co. Hopefully I pronounced that right. She's clapping. (laughs) Welcome, Alex. Hi, it's so nice to be here. This is very surreal. Oh, yeah, I know. I feel like you were one of our listeners like from the very beginning. And then like, I feel like you and I were Instagram friends and then we were in Design Biz Mastery together. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I feel like we've just kind of been connected. Like I remember seeing you on one of the coaching calls in Design Biz Mastery and I was like, okay, this girl is so cool. Like I literally had that thought. (laughs) Oh, thank you. Yeah, I've been listening since before like since I decided to go full-time with my business. So it's pretty surreal, like I said before. Aw, well, that's great. Well, welcome. I know that um, our listeners will be really excited to hear about our topic for today. Um, Mm -hmm. I'm excited to dive into this because this is something I'm really interested in. Um, But before we kind of go in, I'm going to read your bio and then we'll do our intro question. We're kind of switching things up as far as the structure a little bit, guys. So bear with us. We're just testing some things out, seeing the way we like things. So Alex is the creative behind the Arcoiris Design Co. The Arcoiris Design Co. is a branding web design studio that focuses on combining strategy and intuition to create brands that stand out from the crowd. Alex is a Latina designer with family origins in Guatemala. She uses color to help her tell the story of the brands that she works with. Alex majored in human biology in college and transitioned into web design after completing her yoga teacher training in 2015. Soon after, Alex discovered her intuition when she created the Desert Oracle deck. Since then, she's been melding her intuitive, magical approach to design with strategy to create unique experiences and brands for her clients. How does that feel here in your bio? (laughs) This feels very weird and official. (laughs) (laughs) That's what most people say. It's like, okay, wait, who is that? (laughs) There's so much that I want to dive into here with your Oracle deck, your background in yoga, because you know I am also a yoga teacher, not practicing currently, mm-hmm. well, practicing, but not actually actively teaching. Oh, same. And I feel like there's just so much to dive into there. Um, just an yeah. incredible experience overall. But we're going to do our intro question really quick just to kind of get things started. So Alex, what is a creative project that you don't have time for, but wish you did? Oh. It was definitely be working on more decks. I just have so many ideas for decks all the time. And I actively am like following those creators. So I really want to create an affirmation deck because an affirmation practice is something I do every single day uh, for both my business and personal. And then I really want to create a tarot deck, but I feel like that's going to be like a life kind of a lifelong journey because I'm not super versed in tarot, but I really, really want to create one. That is so cool. I see tarot decks and I'm like, oh my goodness, like just the different illustration styles that you see, like from a design perspective, I'm like, okay, these are so, so cool. I'm not like, again, I'm not really well versed either in in tarot. So maybe you can school me a little bit on it, but I see Brie from Rowan Made. Um, She like pulls tarot cards and it just looks Mm -hmm. so like, calming and just like, you know, kind of cool. So yeah, I think a creative project. Okay. okay, So my answer is going to be a little bit different from design. I really wish that I had time to oil paint again. I used to paint in oils and acrylics like a long time ago when I was in like high school. Um, Actually fun fact. And like my claim to fame forever is that there's a painting that I painted of my high school and it's hanging like in the center of the front office. And so whenever I go to the school or for whatever reason, for like a game or something, I'll go and check to see if my painting is still there. And it's been there and I graduated 10 years ago. (laughs) So I am just like so proud of myself, but like, I really wish that I did have the time to sit quietly uninterrupted for a couple hours and just like just paint. That is just not a reality for my current life stage, but I really, really wish it was. Wow. That's so cool. I uh, definitely 
am not like a physical artist. I'm a digital artist, which is why I like digital art, the tarot, that kind of stuff. But um, that's so cool. I, I admire anyone that can actually draw or paint and stuff like that because yeah. I don't have that bone in my body. <laughs> <laughs> paint it, you know, like, I wonder if that's where some of my love for color comes from. And I know that you're the same mm-hmm. way. Like, I feel like we're both very, very colorful designers, which I feel like is not as common in the brand design mm-hmm. world. I mean, I think there's a lot to be said for minimalism and neutral palettes. And like, I have done lots of projects that are neutral, very minimal, but like my favorites are the ones that are super bright and colorful. So maybe my painting background kind of influenced me a little bit there. Yeah, I I can definitely see that, especially since you're working with the physical colors and putting them on the page. Yeah, exactly. I don't know about you guys, but Jen and I are seriously self-proclaimed course junkies, and we are super excited to tell you about a brand new course called Shopify Codex. It's a first-of-its-kind Shopify process and development course created by one of our favorite people in the world, Leia Gucciardi from Arc Design Studio. Keep listening because we have an exclusive listener discount for you. So we know that you guys always want to serve your clients the best that you can because me and Esther feel the exact same way. And with e-commerce development, particularly in Shopify, I feel like it's such an in-demand service and they tend to sell for higher ticket prices as well. But do you guys feel like there's such a huge learning curve on Shopify? Because I know I do. And I will be the first one to admit that I have struggled with feeling super limited and boxed in Shopify themes. And I know that I am not the only one who feels this way. Maybe you also don't know how to price or confidently deliver a high-end client experience when you're learning a brand new platform and it feels a little uncomfortable. Totally. And that's why we are so, so excited about Shopify Codex. I have personally seen inside the course and you guys... Leia has gone above and beyond to create a resource that is chock full of so much knowledge that will honestly blow your mind. The course will teach you how to use Shopify's programming language, which is called Liquid, and that will propel your coding skills and help you design beyond the limitations of Shopify's pre-made themes. It also has a massive wiki of resources that over delivers on video trainings on coding skills, templates, how to scope, price sites, book high ticket clients, and break beyond the cookie cutter templates. People who have gone through Leia's program have said that more than just being able to book higher ticket projects, which is super nice, they have left with so much confidence in offering a high level, super customizable Shopify experience for their clients. They've also been able to make back the investment, which is insane, of the course by just selling one Shopify VIP day, which of course Leia teaches from process to pricing to pitching to your clients. I'm gonna be in the course too. So join me in stepping into this new world of Shopify. There is so much to learn and Leia does such a good job of teaching us. And I am so ready to ditch cookie cutter templates and stop boxing in my web design dreams without that burnout of learning it all on my own and just being thrown into the fire. I'm so glad that I get a helping hand and all of you guys. So seriously, you do not want to miss out on this. Head over to shopifycodex.com slash better and use the code better at checkout to get $300 off. I'll see you guys in there. I would love for just a moment if you could explain to our listeners kind of just an overview of what you feel intuition in the design process, like basically your perspective of using intuition while you're designing and also designing from a strategic background, kind of like marrying intuition and strategy. I would love to just hear it in your own words because I'm curious too. Yeah. uh, I think uh, when I started out as a designer, I really felt... Well, as we mentioned in my bio, I have a background in biology. So that's what I went to school for. So I thought coming into design that there was like one way that you do things and you just have to do that way. And it was probably going to be strategy-based. That was like my intellectual side coming through and being like, well, there has to be a way that you do this. And the more that I have spent time designing, I've realized that the creative process is very individual to the person and it's very nuanced. And having space and freedom to explore like the tangents that come up when you're thinking through a design is uh, is how I bring the intuition in. So like, for example, I might be working on a brand and I'm going for a walk and I see like 
a tree with some flowers that are a particular shade of yellow. And that might inspire something for that brand that I'm working on. And it's just allowing those things to come in and play a role in the overall brand process. I think it's probably a thing that we all naturally do in the design process. I'm just like highlighting it. Yeah. And I feel like there's an element of being open as well. Mm-hmm. Because like I know we've talked in the past on on the podcast about putting yourself in new environments, putting yourself in new situations through travel or taking a different route on your morning walk or really just sitting with your senses and you know, fighting off the boredom that comes into your mind because we're also used to picking up our phones in moments of boredom. So would you agree that there's like, there is that element of like, okay, like you have to be open to allowing some of this creative inspiration to kind of flow through? Yeah. And that, uh, again, that's something that I've had to learn over time. Definitely at the beginning, having that structure is very helpful. I, like you, ended up taking branding with Brie. And at the very beginning, I just followed exactly what she said because I really needed that to build that muscle of doing design work in a particular process. And then I reached a point after a few projects where it's like, I think I'm ready to break out of this mold. I think I'm ready to open myself up to more possibilities with how I personally design. So um, yeah, it's about giving yourself the freedom to listen to the inklings that come up uh, when you're designing and having the trust that you're going to create something amazing for your clients. Oh, that second piece is so good. Trust that you, like the designer within you is going to make something beautiful. I mean, I remember just this like crippling fear whenever I would start a brand design. And I mean, I've I've worked through this a lot, especially um, in you guys to go back and listen to the episode we did on iterating on the one concept method, because that really has helped me not feel as afraid of an empty exploration artboard, um, because a lot of the brand is actually already approved prior to prior to doing the concept development. But like, it is scary. Mm-hmm. Like, okay, there's this blinking cursor and a zillion fonts out in the world, and it's like, okay how do I know I'm actually going to, you know, be good enough at this, you know? And I think that one of the, it it just comes from time and it comes from experience, but I think like, it's also a practice. You have to tell yourself, like you were talking about your affirmation practice. You have to tell yourself, like, I like tell your designer inside of you, I trust you to make something beautiful. Don't you want a client to tell you the same thing? Like, why not encourage that within yourself? So Mm-hmm. I love that you mentioned that trust piece because I think we talk about that with clients trusting us and us trusting subcontractors. But it's like, okay, are you cultivating a relationship of trust within yourself, with your creative self? You know, yeah. Already getting yeah. really deep into it. I love it. I know. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna back up a second and I want to mm-hmm. ask a little more about your recent rebrands and your new positioning because I remember just from following you as an Instagram follower, what was it, a year ago or -hmm. a little less than, maybe about a year ago, where you renamed your business, you rebranded yourself and you you did a new photo shoot and everything. And I feel like that positioning really set you apart from... I mean, I can't think of another brand designer off the top of my head that has the same positioning and design style as you. So you really have done a great job of, you know, positioning yourself as completely unique in an industry where it can feel very saturated. So my mm-hmm. question is like, what inspired this and what motivated you to rebrand? And, you know, you can talk about the name, you can talk about the brand. Was it audience inspired? Did you feel something was misaligned? Tell me more. Yeah. So there were three main things that uh, inspired my rebrand. And then we'll talk about the name too, because okay, we'll get there. Yeah. This all ties in with the intuitive you know, design yeah. as well. That's kind of why I wanted to ask. Of course. The first thing, is, and this is a selfish thing, I felt like I was in a box. And I didn't necessarily like the box that I was in. Not that there was anything wrong with my brand before, uh, just to give uh, the audience a little bit of context. My colors were very like duochrome inspired, purple. Um, Purple was like my main color. And uh, I was very leading into the spiritual community. And that was totally fine. And I was happy with it when I created it. But just like 
most designers, I got sick of it and I wanted something <laughs> different. <laughs> so that was Me, the first every thing. six months. <laughs> right. Yeah. I, I mean, you can't avoid it. The second thing was that I really wanted to expand out of that spiritual community. I wanted to draw in other types of uh, clients to me from different backgrounds and different perspectives. And uh, the third thing is I wanted to bring in more of my culture into my brand. So I'm Guatemalan. I have spent a lot of my life living in South America. I grew up in Ecuador and Colombia. So I wanted to bring in elements of my culture and being a Latina into my brand because, I mean, I'm a white passing person. So unless I have those cultural elements tied into my brand, I didn't think that that people would know that just interacting with me as a person. And ultimately, I also knew that I don't ever want to become like an agency. When I first started my business, I thought that would be a possibility, but I've decided that I want to stay a small studio. So I'll always be a very central part of the brand. So I decided to just really lean into it. I love that. Yeah. So that's where the rainbow colors came in. I wanted to do a rainbow, but not necessarily so overtly rainbow. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um And Guatemalan culture, the fabrics and stuff are very vibrant, very colorful. So I was just coming up with a new way to interpret that. And the name, oh my gosh, it was a horrible situation. I actually went, started the process of trademarking my previous name and then found out I couldn't trademark my name. So (gasps) this is just what happened. My name was too common. And so the lawyer I was working with... It was Catalyst, right? Yeah. mm -hmm, The Catalyst Catalyst. Studio. So my uh, lawyer told me I needed to come up with a unique name, something completely original like Google. I was like, how do I even come up with something (laughs) original like Google? And um, I spent like a week freaking out about it. And then I sat down with my aunt one day and she told me rainbow in Spanish is arcoiris. And it all just like came together in under five minutes. It was very, it was very wild how it just like solved itself in the span of like five minutes. Wow. I remember like kind of coming up with the name Hello June Creative and I was agonizing over it, you know, like mm-hmm. I was like, oh man, like everything else is taken, like every, like every handle, you know, or whatever. And then like so all many. of a sudden it hit me, you know, and then like, then the clarity, like it's a shock of clarity into your business when you feel like you have this amazing aligned name. And I'm sure the rebrand kind of came from there and everything. Did you feel that that sense of clarity and direction once you, you got that in place? It was actually very funny because I had finished my rebrand before I had to come up with the new name. So I had already known oh, okay. I wanted to do the rainbow direction, bring in my culture, all of that stuff I knew beforehand. But then I just had to change the name. Right. So it was very surreal finding out Arcoides in Spanish. It just kind of all clicked in this place and it made so much sense. I was like, this was meant to be. Like, even though changing my name was a super scary moment in my business, I think it was worth it for me. Even though I knew going into the rebrand that no one was going to know how to pronounce my name, but that was fine. (laughs) (laughs) That's okay. And I think like, you know, you've, you've talked about it on your stories, I believe. And so that's why I was like, okay, I think... I think I can take a stab at it. <laughs> you also <laughs> gave me the pronunciation when you gave me the info for the podcast today. So I feel grateful for that. But I mean, it's memorable. It is really memorable. It's, well, I mean, you. I immediately got it um, when you announced it online. And I was like, wow, this is what a great way. And I thought about that, uh, that exact thing, like what a great way to tie in your culture and to celebrate it. And, you know, I mean, what's more celebratory than a rainbow? Like, it's like, I feel like it it kind of mimics the customer journey that you have. You know, it's like clients will not really know their direction. It'll be cloudy. It'll be like, you know, oh, there's like all these sticky problems. And then like the rainbow is just this calm after the storm, this beautiful array of color. And so I don't know. I just love your name so much. Just a oh, moment thank of you. appreciation. I do really <laughs> appreciate that. Yeah. Um, I'm curious too about 
when you rebranded, did you feel like it had a really big impact or at least over time on the types of clients that were coming in? I know you were trying to break out of one specific niche. Usually people are like, oh, I want to like pick a niche, but sometimes you get two into one industry and then all your referrals are like the same thing. Did you find that like renaming and rebranding kind of like spread things out a little bit? Uh, Yes, I do think so. It's interesting though, because now I'm only drawing in people that are very into color, which I'm not (laughs) upset about. So um, yeah, I mean, (laughs) I don't personally box myself in by design style, but recently with the rebrand, the clients that are coming to me do naturally do that. So that's just an interesting thing that's come up. And um, I think the more work that I do, especially with my template shop, that will stop happening as much. Right. It is funny. I mean, like that's that's a testament to branding in and of itself. Mm-hmm. Like we know as brand designers the impact of branding because we've seen it happen for our own businesses. And I think a lot of it is your work too, your portfolio, um, of mm-hmm. course, because people are attracted to those types of things and, and all that. I'm curious also about designing your first Oracle deck because I feel like this is kind of where we get into this more spiritual, intuitive perspective that I think that your clients really resonate with and are drawn to because you use that language in your marketing and when you show up on stories and stuff like that. Tell me more about your Oracle deck that you designed and kind of how that led you to where you are now with not only your positioning and your audience, but also your intuitive process. Mm Mm-hmm. To be totally transparent, when I first designed my Oracle deck, I had no idea how it would relate with the rest of my business. I was like, <laughs> I'm in, I'm getting a certificate for web development and design. Like, how does an Oracle deck fit into this? But I just had an inner knowing that I needed to create my Oracle deck after I visited Joshua Tree, California for the first time. I went. I had like a spiritual experience and I came home and within a month I had designed, written, like the deck was ready to go, except it took two years to figure out how to produce it. So that's a whole separate story. Oh yeah, that's uh, printers and sizing and all that. It's intense. Yeah, it was very complicated, uh, but I do think it was worth it. Anyways, that is not what we're talking about. It really took a long time for me to figure out how that connected to my design practice. Because like I said, at the beginning, I was very much focused on building a process, having that like strategy focused, really honed in and learning that side of things so that I could be the best designer that I could be. But there was a point where I realized like I could bring in more of my personality and more of like the things that light me up into the process as well. And because I had such an intuitive hit to build my Oracle deck, I realized that that was happening as well in my design practice. So it kind of validated those feelings of like, oh, if I think I should do something, it's probably going to lead to something amazing. Yeah. Yeah. So it was just like the first time I ever connected with my intuition. And um, it's kind of hard to explain. Um, Through that process, I became more um, trusting of myself and those intuitive hits when they happen because it's so easy to ignore them. They're so subtle. They're so um, not obvious if you're not looking for them. But I really uh, focus my daily life in making sure that I cultivate that relationship with my intuition. And my Oracle deck showed me that I can do that and it can be resonant and it can have a positive effect on the designs that I create. Wow. That is seriously so cool. I think I've never heard anyone put it into words, this idea of this intuition hit, like you were saying, but And even in just hearing you talk about that, I'm like, yeah, I know exactly what you're talking about. As I think you said, every designer experiences this. It's about what level do you A, trust yourself and B, listen and recognize and notice when those intuitive hits come your way. I mean, just to kind of put things from my perspective, when I think Mm -hmm. about like, oh, I got a hit of inspiration, intuitive hit, like most of the time it doesn't even happen when I'm at my computer. Like my brain will be like, 
percolate almost never the computer like kills my creativity I feel like but like I'll be like you said out in nature or like driving when I can't write anything down and then I'm like voice memoing myself like a crazy person and you know like it, it is what it is but it kind of comes to me like when I'm not even expecting it like I'll be working on like a design thing where like I do a lot of interlocking monograms. If you guys have followed mm-hmm. my work, you know that almost every brand I do has an interlocking monogram and my my clients come to me because they love that look. Sometimes letters just don't fit very well, well together and it is oh, yeah. infinitely frustrating when you're like, okay, I know that there is a way. It's like doing a puzzle to make these letters fit well together in a way that complements the strategy and also is going to be something that fits well with the brand. I'm actually in that situation right now, working on a monogram where the letters aren't necessarily fitting very well together. And so like, I feel like in my brain, I'll be like moving the letters around. Like, I don't even need to close my eyes. I can just like picture them, like almost like floating outside, like right in front of my face. And I'm just like, I'll be walking or like driving. I'm like, just kind of thinking like, okay, like how are these letters going to like go together? And then all of a sudden I'll be like, oh wait, this angle could fit into this thing if I tilted at 45 degrees. And I'm like, oh, there we go. Like there's an idea. And I feel like Mm -hmm. that's what you're talking about, right? When you do talk about an intuitive hit, it's like, oh, this light bulb moment, if you want to like phrase it like that. Am I on the right track here? Yes, yes, totally. I I do feel it's like those light bulb moments where you're like, you weren't really sure where a design was going or you're like stuck on a project, but then you're like my hits usually don't happen at the computer either. I totally relate with the car thing. I have my best ideas in the car and then I never yeah. write them down. It's the worst. And I always forget them too, which... Just voice memo them we to me on We won't even get into that. <laughs> yeah, we won't even get into that. But um, yeah, exactly what you said is what I'm talking about. I, I'm just using more... Um, spiritual language to describe it, I guess. But it, it really is like our process on a very like stripped down level. Like we have a brief and then we have to execute the brief. But before we get to the execution, we have to have the idea that sets off the execution. So right. that's what I call an intuitive hit. I love that. I think it's it's kind of like, I use this metaphor for clients when they're they're in, they're filling out the questionnaire and then the first question i ask on the creative direction call is how was it for you moving through the questionnaire because most of the time it's very challenging and can be frustrating for a client to go through and answer some of these really high level questions about you know why does your audience love what you do or what sets you apart from your competitors or why would someone choose a competitor over you like it can be really like intense and and so the, one of the things they'll say is like, well, I don't even know how this relates. Not in like a way that they're criticizing me, but they'll be like, I, I don't know if this is relevant, but X, Y, Z. And then they'll like write that down. They're like, I don't know if I did it right. Or they'll bring a tentative energy to the call where they're like, oh, I don't know. And I say, hey, look, like there's the words world where you can write and we can talk and we can communicate about it. And then there's the visuals world, right? Where there's your mm-hmm. logo and there's a font. And I think fonts are so fun because I feel like they do bridge that world between words and visuals, oh, which totally. is why I love brand design. But there's this invisible bridge between those two worlds. Stay with me, guys. <laughs> Alex is over here nodding. She's like, oh, girl, I know what you're talking about. And that bridge is where we as brand designers bring our skills, our experience, our knowledge, our expertise, and we translate everything that goes into the brand strategy into that creative direction, into the color palette, into the mood board, into the typeface research. That is a special skill. And I know I've talked about this before on the podcast, but like I feel like that is kind of where this intuition that we're talking about begins because like Mm -hmm. you can get a bunch of words just like, I mean, I tell my clients just word vomit, you know, just brain dump into the questionnaire. Whatever comes out is what needs to come out, you know, and then we'll work together to bridge that gap. And I'll say, Hey, I'm really feeling like maybe a nice deep burgundy red and um, a crisp, like, white wine color is really coming through for me here. What do you think about this? It's like, okay, where did, where did that idea come from? You know, um, I think it's just Mm -hmm. such an interesting conversation to think about like, but most of the time the client's like, oh my gosh, yes. Like 
I never thought about it that way. Or like, wow, that's a really unique perspective. Like, that's cool that I said that my brand was like Jennifer Lawrence. And then I'm like, okay, we're going to do like a deep purple. And they're like, okay, yeah, I don't know why that works, but like it works, you know? And I think Mm -hmm. it's a, I think it just comes from a a combined, just our experiences as human beings, our upbringings are, I mean, you can call it lived experience if you want. Like, I think all of that comes together. And then there's all of these little connections and memories and things that pop up and things that remind you of certain things. And, and isn't that what branding is, right? Like when you look at a logo, like it makes you feel something. There is some mm-hmm. sort of emotional connection there. And so like, I feel like we're really diving into that today, which is really exciting because a lot of the stuff we talk about on this podcast is very technical. It's businessy, it's financial, but like we're really diving into, okay, like what is creativity? You know, it's like kind of a question that doesn't have an answer. (laughs) Does that all make sense? Yeah, I think so. Especially because what you said this when you were talking, a brand design is a very visual medium. And what we're actually connecting with when we're creating brands for our clients is we're uh, we're creating something that subconsciously connects to their audiences. So having a connection with our subconscious is going to help us create better results for our clients because that's just the way our brain works. We're visual creatures and having those uh, understandings on a deeper level of how visuals connect with other people is what's going to create a more lasting brand. Yeah, like that meaningful, timeless look that people are looking for. Um, mm-hmm. I'm curious, like if someone is kind of new to, maybe not necessarily new to brand design, maybe they are new to brand design, but they're new to the idea of intuitive design. How would you advise someone on getting really familiar with their intuition, um, learning to cultivate trust within themselves, kind of, you know, getting comfy with, these intuitive hits or listening for them? Like how could someone start a practice to find that and to listen to that? I I think um, this is going to sound like such a cheesy answer, but I really think it's about taking the time to listen to yourself. So I would recommend meditating, honestly. Mm -hmm. I have a meditation practice and I'll just be upfront. I'm not like the best meditator, in the world, I me neither. <laughs> my mind wanders all the time, and I'm not like a perfect meditator, and that's totally fine. It's just the act of doing it that trains your brain to just notice those things that go on in your mind. And I think that's a really good place to start. Uh, I will say that for me personally, I started building that muscle through the practice of yoga. So if that's something that seems more doable for you, maybe start there instead because it's movement and meditating at the same time, which is really cool. It's really about like creating that space for you to hear what's going on in your mind and listening to it. And it doesn't have to be anything super major where like you start incorporating this into your client projects tomorrow. You can do uh, like little practice projects and things like that where you take those thoughts that are coming in and start to incorporate them. It's all about practice. Yeah. I mean, and that's why we call yoga a practice. That's why we call meditation Mm -hmm. a practice. I think one of the, one of just the most valuable things that I think I've learned over the course of my life, which hasn't been that long. I'm not like a grandma sitting here giving y'all advice or anything. I mean, major respect to grandmas. I mean, they're incredible. Yeah. But I I think one of the biggest things that I've learned is that like, I am not my thoughts. There's a lot that goes into that. There's a lot to be explored there through professional therapy. There's a lot that like can be very helpful for you, you know, if you are experiencing or struggling with your mental health. And I mean, that's a whole Mm -hmm. other conversation, but I think the realization for me that like my thoughts can be separate from my soul, myself, you know, my, I am not my thoughts. And so that's one of the things I'll tell my yoga students during yoga classes is like, I mean, we always start, if you've ever been to yoga class, most of the time you start with a grounding practice where you sit in silence and stillness just for even a few moments. Even if you're doing a hot yoga class or you're doing some really intense like 
physical asana practice, you do still sit for a few moments and I'll, you know, guide my students to say like, Hey, notice what thoughts pop up here. Just notice them. Don't label them as good or bad or, you know, like, you know, oh, oh, I have to go to the grocery store. Okay. I had a thought about the grocery store. You know, you can do the same thing with design. I feel like, I mean, even if you are, let's say you're sitting at your computer and you're designing in your artboards. Let's say like you have a thought to be like, okay, I feel like this is too thick. Like this is too bold. This brand needs to be a little bit lighter and more dainty. Sit for a second and be like, I just had a thought about that. Like, let me trust that. Let me go and follow that rather than being like, oh, I don't know. Um, Maybe I should ask somebody. Like, go and explore that. Make a mess on your artboard. Find some fonts that are thinner. See how it looks. Sometimes I'll follow my intuition and I'll notice, like, hey, I had a thought about this. I should probably pursue this. But it doesn't end up being the direction that we're going in. I feel like even that practice of like, following these like little intuition hits and sparks of inspiration, at least you've gone down that path and you realize that that's not the right path, you know? Um, and I don't know, I think I just totally went on a tangent there, but like, um, I think that that's kind of like a great connection between a grounding practice in yoga where you're sitting or a meditation practice where you're sitting, you're noticing your thoughts, maybe try and do that when you're in your art boards or even when you're in your car, like I just had a great intuition hit. I'm going to send myself a voice memo like, oh, try the T and the R where the R, like the ascender of the R, the descender of the R is like overlapping the like main part of the T or whatever, you know, like and only a designer would know what that means. But um, like labeling it as, well, not labeling it, but like recognizing it being like, I just had this thought. I'm going to explore this. You know, I think that that can be really helpful and good to, start recognizing. Yeah, totally. I do want to acknowledge what you said about mental health because there is definitely a difference between... Okay. So backing up a little bit, I have suffered from anxiety and I was suffering from anxiety last year. And something that took a a little while for me to come to terms with and realize is that my anxiety mind is different than my normal mind. And that's very different than my intuitive self. Uh, So I can, I personally, because of the practices that I have, can tell the difference between an anxiety thought and an intuitive hit. And that's all because I have cultivated that relationship with myself to have that level of understanding. So that's why I recommend developing a practice like yoga or meditation so that you can start to notice those differences. And I'm sure a lot of the listeners, I mean, we run our own businesses. We're like our own bosses and stuff. Our work can produce a lot of anxiety. It just, yeah, there's a lot of things that can cause anxiety. So just having that awareness can be so helpful. Yeah. I love that word awareness. That's something we talk about in yoga as well. Um, mm-hmm. Recognizing when things are popping up and what you know what feelings are. I mean, I think like also there is an element of intuition and design and understanding the mental state that you're in when you are sitting down to design. Like, am I feeling creative? Is this going to be a productive design session? Am I distracted by something? How am I feeling right now? Am I feeling anxious? Am I feeling rushed? Those are great emotions to be able to intuitively recognize and say, okay, I'm just going to play around a little bit, but this isn't going to be like the main like session where I sit down and find the solution or even recognizing like I'm not in a good headspace right now to design this particular brand. This brand is bright and light and happy and it's like like a kid's brand or something. And if you just had something happen to you that was like, just really frustrating and angering. Like, I don't know. I don't know about you. You can tell me if you feel this way, but I feel like my emotions come out in my designs a lot. I mean, we are artists. We are creating visual art. I mean, of course, it's strategic. It's it's, it's a powerhouse. It's a workhorse. It, it has function. But recognizing when you have those moments where you're like, oh, this is not going to be good. And if you have the flexibility to be able to work on a different task, maybe bookkeeping or something that's more like analytic rather than visionary. Do you feel like that's, that comes out with you as well? Like you, if you're angry, you'll just design like crap. (laughs) 
I don't think that happens to me so much, but I definitely feel like, let's say I'm frustrated about something. I just won't have the capacity to tap into my intuition and work on a brand. So either it'll take me way too long and like I could have gotten from A to B much quicker if I just like didn't work on the brand when I decided to work on it. Or um, I will just end up in the completely wrong place. And again, I will have spent so much time doing something that's completely unproductive. So what I usually do is I schedule out my weeks in advance and I'll just move things around. If I'm having like a really off day or... um Yeah, if I'm having a really off day and I just don't think I can design to the level that I hold myself to, I'll move things that are more uh, like backend stuff. Like you said, bookkeeping, that's uh, that's my least favorite thing to do. But I will move that in. (laughs) Maybe you don't have to do that when you're mad. (laughs) Yeah. Maybe do something Uh, more fun. (laughs) I'll do a lot of like coding stuff when I'm mad because I get into a very specific headspace when I code and it's like, okay, let me just like solve all these problems. Well, coding makes me mad. So (laughs) every listener out there knows that I am not a coder. Like you guys really like, you're incredible. I... I feel like I'm banging my head against the wall. And I know Esther feels this way. She's like, no, but I love that feeling of like fixing oh, a bug I do too. or whatever, you know? <laughs> yeah. I, I, I feel that, so accomplished I, when I do that. Yeah. Yeah. But I can't like design a brand when I'm in the wrong headspace. Mm-hmm. So I'll uh, yeah move it to a time where I'm like, probably by tomorrow I'll feel myself again and then I can work on it then. And whatever I had tomorrow, that's more like, busy work, I'll move it to today. That That's what I yeah. do because I have the space to do that, which is nice. Yeah, that is so nice. And, you know, like, of course, we know not everyone has the flexibility to, you know, be able to move things around. Like sometimes like you have two hours to get something done and you just have to put your head to the grindstone and, and kind of like bang it out. So, I mean, what are your thoughts on like, listening to your intuition, knowing that like, okay, I'm not in the best headspace right now, but like almost being able to have a mindset shift in the moment. Like I know I'm feeling this way, but that doesn't mean that like I can't produce something beautiful or, you know, does that make sense? Yes. Yes. I actually was going to bring that up anyways. Um, Good. Something I started recently doing is more like intensives. So brand intensives, uh, web intensives. and It's life-changing. It totally is life-changing. That model really like condenses things down and you have to get stuff done at specific times in order for the project to be complete in that timeline. So if I'm having an off day, what I'll do is just try to break that cycle in my mind. So something I do all the time is I'll just go for a walk. Like a quick walk around the block, mm-hmm. just get some fresh air, get some sunshine. I live in California, so it's like always nice here. So I have that to yes. my advantage. <laughs> but just doing something to get my body moving, get me thinking about something else, just like having a moment to breathe and then coming back and just real putting my game face on. Um, I used yeah. to be like top of my class, straight A student. So I know how to like, jump into that like mode of like, oh, I got to get shit done. (laughs) Yeah. I'm the same way. I'm the same way. So it's just like honoring that feeling that you're in, taking that time to just like acknowledge it, give yourself that freedom to like feel it and then let it go and then come back and really put your head down because yeah, so it's not always just sunshine and rainbows and rescheduling and stuff. That doesn't always happen. Yeah. Yeah, especially with um with intensives and that's one of the things that my mentorship clients one of the biggest things that holds them back from doing day rates or design intensives or like website in 2 weeks, website in a week, a lot of the the things that I've kind of been experimenting with and I know a lot of designers out there experimenting with it as well because they're extremely profitable offers and the clients you don't have to work with them for months on end which is which is awesome for both parties one of the things that they struggle with most is like okay well like what if i'm not feeling creative that day like what you know like especially people who have come from a more corporate background or whatever where you're working on a brand for like 3 months or or whatever it's like okay how could i even condense the strategy down into a half day and then the second half of the day i do the logo you know it's it's a lot but i think 
once you get really comfortable with like knowing that like, like it comes back to that trust of yourself of knowing that like, Hey, Mm-hmm. no matter what way I'm feeling that day, I know that I can pull this off. And that just comes with practice and experience. But like that is the the permission slip that you need to give yourself to start doing more intensives and accelerated and productized services. It doesn't drive with everyone. Not every designer wants to do accelerated services like that. But um, I do think intuition does play a really big role in that because you have to make decisions quickly too when you're designing that quickly. You have to be like, okay, mm-hmm. that direction doesn't work. Or like try a font really quickly and like, no, that doesn't work. Move on to the next thing. Like, I feel like there is an element of intuition and decision-making too. So I would love to hear you, you speak to that for a second. Yeah, I, I will say that I don't... I personally do not think intensives are a good model for like newer designers. I think you really need to give yourself the space to build that understanding in your design process and your style and how you like to do things first. So giving yourself longer timelines is really great. But everything that we've been talking about throughout this uh, podcast relates to uh, the intensives because you really have to have that trust in yourself and that trust that Even if you know, if you spent more time doing more strategy and diving into things deeper, you might go in a different direction, that this is still going to be a really resonant and positive solution for your client. Something that I have always told myself is like, I'm not trying to hurt my client. I'm not trying to create a result that's not going to be positive for them. I want them to have the best brand that they could possibly have under the conditions that we've set for our project. So with that in mind, I know that no matter what I produce, it's the intention is there. So hopefully they will see the intention as well and be happy with the results. Yeah. I I love that you just totally put out there like, hey, I don't think intensives are are for everybody. (laughs) You know, and I I agree a hundred percent. I think if someone had asked me to do a brand in two weeks, when I was first starting out, I'd be like, that is how long it takes me to do half the strategy. (laughs) So like that wouldn't be a good enough brand because I wouldn't have spent enough time on it. Now, of course, like we learn as we grow and as we get more experience that like the time spent doesn't necessarily have to relate to the meaningfulness or the quality or all of that. But I wanted to second when you said, Hey, if you're starting out, give yourself the time and space that you need to be able to get comfortable making those those design decisions. I mean, every single time I duplicate something on my artboard, I mean, that that is the process that I do where I'll, I'll do a font and then I'll duplicate it. I'm constantly holding down my option key and dragging. If you guys don't mm-hmm. know that, mm-hmm. you can hold down option and illustrator, click and drag, and it will automatically duplicate something. And I'm constantly tweaking and changing and comparing and like, okay, no, that's not right. Yes, this is the decision I want to go. And then I'll isolate things and put them on colored backgrounds and compare them. And like, there is like, I feel like over the years, like my process for that has definitely inspired my, by my intuition, gotten a lot stronger and a lot faster, which is the mm-hmm. reason why I'm able to offer the high level and the high quality of services that I do within that shortened time frame. Mm-hmm. So I think like maybe looking at that as if you want to work on intensives, but you feel really freaked out by them, like, you know, try shortening your timeline by just a little bit. See if you could design a, a brief, you know, within a day or give yourself two weeks to design a brief if that feels really, really long for you. But I think all of this ties into developing and listening to that, you know, if you want to call it your little voice inside your head, <laughs> maybe like that feels like a better way to think about your intuition. It's like, oh my gosh, I'm just thinking right now, if I went on my Instagram, I'm like, oh, this little voice inside my head tells me what to design. I'd be like, okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but you guys yeah. know what I mean though. Like it, it is like, and I think that that's also like, that's a value driver too, especially for the, the type of clients that you like to work with, Alex. Um, mm-hmm. It's like, hey, like I have a very intuitive process. This is something that is not just slapped together. This It has the strategy portion, but then also bringing in that intuitive portion. It's like, 
you're getting paid for your intuition. That's something to be like for clients to be attracted to. So kind of in wrapping up this conversation, I would love to hear more about how you kind of weave that intuitive and strategic perspective into more, you know, audience facing and client facing parts of your process, you know, whether you're presenting a concept to a client that has already booked or you're marketing your business and showing up on Instagram stories and talking about your intuition. How does that look for you? This is something that has taken a lot of trial and error. Like I was saying before, I used to not know how my Oracle deck tied in with the rest of my business. So for the longest time, I separated them. I was like, oh, I have an Oracle deck over here living by itself. (laughs) And then I have my design business over here. But now I weave in my Oracle deck practice, my tarot reading practice into my marketing. I talk about that kind of stuff constantly. I follow the phases of the moon and things like that. So I weave that into everything that I talk about. Um, And I also incorporate it into the things that I do in my business. Like For example, I have astrology-based website templates which is like a very out there concept, but it's a really uh, fun, uh, creative practice for me, just tying in something fun and kind of kitschy astrology and then creating uh, really beautiful website templates that go along with the signs. So it's just... Yeah. I mean, for me, the, all that kind of stuff is stuff that I'm already naturally drawn to. So that might not be what you're drawn to. You might be drawn to oil painting and uh, something else. Um, I have no idea. Uh, cooking. Yeah. Let's, let's just say that. Uh, <laughs> and you can figure out a way um, to tie those things into your practice as well. Because for me, everything comes down to creativity. So even though I have a spiritual practice, all of those things are heightening my creativity in some ways. So that's how I tie everything together. And I recommend you finding those things that connect you to your creativity and figuring out how to weave them into your marketing as well. Because ultimately, design is a creative practice. So we always need to strengthen our creativity. That is so good. I love that you're like, oh, like cooking. It's like, I mean, for me, cooking does feel extremely creative, you know, like Mm -hmm. that is something where I'm doing something physical with my hands. I'm, you know, maybe I'm deviating from the recipe a little bit. Maybe I'm going to add more jalapenos because we spent a little bit of time in Texas. So your girl likes her jalapenos. And I always double the garlic. I I always double the garlic. If you're out there and you're not doubling the garlic in every recipe, like come talk to me because it's going to be life changing. Um, But I mean, like, I mean, that's an aside, (laughs) but like that, that is so true. Like connect to the things that make you feel creative, share that stuff on your business Instagram. I don't think that it's inappropriate to share, especially if you're a one woman studio or if you're a small studio and you have subcontractors or even like a couple employees, like if you're the face of your brand and a lot of us are, people want to work with people. People are not going to hire. If they don't want to work with a person, they're just going to go like, I mean, you can hire people on Fiverr. You can hire people on Upwork. Right, exactly. But like, you're not going to hire someone on Upwork because they like the same hobbies that you do. You know, like mm-hmm. the type of people I feel like so often that you and I and our listeners who own independent brand design studios are attracting is that people who are like-minded. So like Alex mm-hmm. said, like whatever your thing is, go for it. Celebrate that thing. Make that part of your positioning. And I think that that was you kind of answered the the last question I had, which is what advice would you have for someone who's looking to advertise what makes them unique? I mean, that goes into a whole conversation about positioning, which could be its own episode. But you know, that, that kind of is the answer to that is find your special sauce, find what makes you feel creative and then go and share that with people and they'll resonate with that. Yeah. And I, I do want to say a little shout out to Giselle. I think she was the person that really helped me see that because she so brilliantly did that with her own business, sharing the climbing and her love for the outdoors and tying that into her business. When I was first starting out, I knew that that was possible, but I needed that person out there actually doing it and seeing it like seeing it made me realize that I could do it too. So uh, I just want to put that out there. 
Go back Aww. into the past episodes and listen to Giselle talk about her business because she's a great inspiration for that kind of thing as well. Oh, that is so good. I'm so glad you brought her in. I love talking about her. I love thinking about her. Like she just, she inspires me still every single day. Sometimes I'll go back and listen to old episodes and just get like a little nugget of wisdom from her. And yeah, we both highly recommend that you go back and listen to seasons one through four because they're just so chock full of Giselle wisdom. And she has much more of like a calm, collected presence where I'm out here like being all crazy and boisterous. Maybe bubbly is the better (laughs) word. Someone described you as bubbly bubbly one time. I'm like, that's a nice way to put it. Like, (laughs) um, yeah, I love that that you brought that up. (laughs) Just a moment of Giselle appreciation and love. Always a little love fest moment, just like old times. Awesome. Mm -hmm. Well, do you want to go ahead and tell our audience more about your Squarespace template shop? Um, just a little bit kind of about what inspired that um, and then what it's been like to foray into the world of digital product products. Oh my gosh. Well, I've heard you guys talk about it on the podcast a ton. Uh, I am a standout Squarespace graduate. I'm obsessed with Rage. I love Rage. Yeah. Uh, I have learned so She's much incredible. from Rage. <laughs> she is a absolutely incredible human. So through her course, I uh, got access to her template course. And I have been wanting to build templates for years. But because I was in standout Squarespace, I actually had the tools necessary to be able to build those templates and do it in a way that is very sustainable for the people that buy them. So Beyond just creating a template, all of the sections in my templates are templatized so you can reuse them on anywhere on the website. I um, create templates about once a month. I'm trying to ramp it up to two a month, but we'll see. It's kind of a lot. It's a lot. Creating digital project product shop is just very time intensive on the, on yeah, the, the front side. <laughs> I really do love it. And it's a way for me to kind of like scratch that itch of rebranding uh, by just creating yes. <laughs> another website template. Uh, and I do love to That code. is really it's funny. Like, I never thought about it like that. That is yeah, it's like, I okay, if I want to make a code. new logo, might as just make a new website. <laughs> Yeah, I love websites. That is definitely why I became a designer is to do web design. So it it just like really fits well with my uh, interests. And uh, I do also want to plug that I have... um, I have uh, development for designers. So if you're like Jen and you don't like developing, I develop on Squarespace for other designers. (laughs) Oh, that's awesome. So what is the process like that look like? What does the process for that look like? Do you, is it white label? Do you talk to mm-hmm. the client? Like, it would be totally white label. So you give me your mock ups and then I fully develop everything and you should have it back within a week. Wow, that's incredible. So mm-hmm. if someone wanted to learn more about those services and they wanted to find your template shop, or if they just want to send you a really happy DM, where can people find you? You can find me mainly on Instagram. I'm the Articoides Design Co. And then um, my website as well, the Co. That's my website. That's my handle on everything. I'm also like trying to do TikTok. Oh, God. <laughs> so I'm on there. Oh, as my well. gosh. I need to follow you. I don't. <laughs> I'm on TikTok, but I don't create anything. So I'm going to totally follow you okay, and cool. show some support. <laughs> I'm trying. It's not easy. I'm definitely not a Gen Z person. <laughs> I know. I just, I I love consuming it. <laughs> right. Uh, but I'm sure my business name will be on the podcast. That's how you spell it. A-R-C-O-I-R-I-S. Uh, and then you can find me on Instagram. That's the easiest way to get a hold of me. Great. Awesome. Yeah, we'll put all of um, Alex's links in the show notes as well, just in case you guys are like, I don't know how to spell that. Yeah. We'll put them in the uh, the episode notes and you guys can go in and find her. And you can also go to our Instagram page and, and see her, her graphic. All right. So let's wrap up with an inbox question. Kiara Garcia asks, how do you create standout brands that aren't typical? Alex, do you want to jump in here? 
Sure. I think for me, um, what I do when I'm creating brands is I really try to dive into uh, the person that I'm working with or like the brand itself. It really depends if it's a personal brand or not. And the things that light them up and that they share with me via their uh, branding questionnaire. So for example, I tend to work with a lot of astrologers. So if they're astrologers, they're obviously into astrology. So I'll bring aspects of astrology into their brand, like different color associations or different symbology. And weaving those in to create something that's really authentic for the brand that I'm working on, that's what I do. So if I, as a completely opposite example, was working with a real estate company, I probably wouldn't incorporate astrology into their brand because it wouldn't be as resonant. So it's just noticing what the person or brand uh, relates with and tying that in in some way. That's such a good answer. I think for me, and I agree with everything you said, read the room, you know, like <laughs> know your client, get to know them and their questionnaire, ask them deeper questions in the, in the brand strategy um, workshop or whatever that call is a creative direction call that you guys do. I think one thing that I wanted to add here is that this starts before the client, like before you guys ever go into research for the brand, before you go into creative direction research, I think that of course, we're all going to take borrowed elements from different things. We're all going to have design styles that we love. Like I love interlocking monograms and the type of clients that tend to come my way are people that really benefit from having interlocking monograms in their logo. Am I going to give an interlocking monogram to someone who is like extremely corporate and is not using a serif typeface? Probably not, just like Alex said. But I think if you zoom out and go all the way down to the beginning of your process with the questionnaire and the creative direction call, before you start to even look at what the client has pulled together, if they're giving you inspiration at all, start to you know kind of cultivate some of those intuitive hits. Start to see like, okay, I read through the questionnaire. I am starting to put together the brief. I'm writing out the audience's values. Even like, what would I do if the internet didn't exist? Like, what would I do if I didn't have... Instagram or Pinterest or access to see, oh, well, I wonder what she did. I wonder what her portfolio looks like. I, you know, even you should be aware of the competitor design so that you don't use the same colors or the same branding or font style, but in a void, in a completely blank slate, what would you make? You know, and I think that that kind of really ties beautifully back to the whole conversation from today about intuition. Look at yourself first. Go to yourself first. Ask your designer self first what they would do. Then you can go and support those inklings and those directions with inspiration from other places that you found. That's, I feel like, the best way to not only create designs that aren't typical and aren't really haven't been seen before, but also to help avoid plagiarism, to help avoid copying other people. I don't think plagiarism most of the time is something that happens intentionally. I think it happens, it creeps up on you. And before you know it, you've designed something that looks exactly like some other designer's design. And I know that from personal experience where I'm like, whoa, that looks eerily similar to something that was in the mood board for this project. Like that's inspiration. That's not something that I want to like actually give my client. I want to give them something unique. So Mm -hmm. I think really cultivating that intuition in the very beginning of the process is, is what I would recommend if you are finding yourself in situations where you're designing things that you feel look really similar to other people or just look too similar to even past brands that you've designed. Yeah. Yeah. Well said. Thank you. Okay. Well, I'm so sad to wrap everything up. I, I always say, I feel like we could continue talking on for forever, but yeah, go and reach out to Alex. Um, Alex is one of our listeners that like messages me every single time an episode drops and tells me what she thinks about the episode. It's always positive. It's always incredible. Like if you guys want to also be like Alex, send me a DM every time you listen to an episode and tell me what you think. I literally love that so much. Also, Alex and I are friends, so that makes sense. But even if you're not my friend, still DM me. Um, reach out to her on Instagram. You have a very active Instagram. You're on stories very often. Yeah, yeah I'm not shy. Like, so <laughs> I'm not shy at all. She's not shy. No, that's one of the things that I, I recognize about you from DBM. I was like, okay, you are really cool. And like, would you, rec would you say that you're... um? 
you're extroverted? I know that's like a little aside question. <laughs> uh, actually, uh, in real life, no. But on the internet, I'm very extroverted. So that is so funny that you like differentiate it. Because like, honestly, I feel similar. I mean, I'm extroverted in every single portion of my life. But like, I feel like especially on the internet, I'm like, Honestly, I don't even care. I'm just going to like throw out whatever. I mean, you guys have heard me on the podcast. So Mm -hmm. I was really like attracted to that type of energy. I was like, oh, wow. Like I want to be her friend, like type of thing. So guys go. I want to be everyone's friend. friends with Alex. (laughs) Yes, me too. And yeah, really, thank you so much for spending your time with us today. Um, And I am super excited for this episode to drop. Me too. Yay. All right. Well, we'll see you guys next week, um, next Tuesday. Bye guys. Bye. We hope you enjoyed today's conversation. Subscribe wherever you're listening to make sure you don't miss an episode. And we'd be forever grateful if you left us a review on Apple Podcasts. We bet you've got designer friends who'd enjoy it too. So share it with them. If you'd like to submit an inbox question for us to answer on air, or you want to get in contact with us directly, email us at inbox at betterbranddesigner.com. Our Facebook community is one of the most positive, supportive, and fun groups we've ever been a part of. We'd love for you to join us. Search for Better the Brand Designer Podcast on Facebook. If you love these conversations between designer friends and would like to support us, you can find us on Patreon at patreon.com slash betterpodcast. And visit us online at betterbranddesigner.com to learn more about our podcast and snag major discounts on our favorite resources. Special thanks to our producer, John, from Wayfair Recording Co., See you guys again next week.